You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Hall. Welcome, Auburn, into this Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I'm joined by Tom Peavy and Cam Barry here this afternoon. A little bit of a shortened show today, but we're going to go most of the way. We've got off air about 5.20 or 5.30 today. Auburn softball coming up against Troy at 5.45 on our airwaves, but we're uh, proud to be back with you here for another edition of the show. couple scheduling items, too. Uh, tomorrow's show will now be a full show because of Borgard High School baseball being moved to today. That will be on 99.9 Kate FM. You're looking for that at 4.30 as they take on Valley. So we will have a full show tomorrow. Then Friday's show is still on track to be shortened weather uh, permitting for Auburn softball as they play LSU. So, again, uh, just keep tuned here. i uh, tell you exactly how long our shows are going to be, but we'll be on until about 5.20 or 5.30 today. Uh, we, will, we will reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week, talk a little bit more about the transfer portal for Auburn basketball, maybe talk a little baseball, maybe a little NBA too uh, if we have time. And, of course, we'll take all your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341. Locally toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. It's not a fish a wacky Wednesday, but it might have a couple of non-sports topics and questions too. Uh, if we get into, uh, we get off the tracks a little bit, that'd be okay on this Wednesday. So, do a little bit of everything on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Uh, again, Ryan, Cam, and Tom with you here today. We will start with Tom. Yep. You went to the Montgomery Biscuits game last night. Hope you had a good time, sir. I did. Uh, had a had a great time at the Montgomery Biscuits game. The Biscuits come away with a uh, home opening win of five to one over the Tennessee Smokies. Um, but yeah, it's just fun being back in Riverwalk Stadium. It's just such a beautiful setting out there, and then you you get the kind of the niche thing with the trains that come by out there in the outfield. Just very cool. But now here was a kind of a cool story. Um, I guess I wasn't paying attention to the uh, the names that were being dropped over the uh, over the speakers for pitching changes, but I, at the, in the very late innings of that game, Tennessee had a pitcher out there, and I didn't hear the name, but he caught my eye on the mound because of the velocity that was coming off the fastballs, and I mean, he just mowed down uh, the batters that he faced. I mean, the biscuits weren't even coming close to touching, and I and. You could just tell just the visuals of it that there was a pop of that ball coming off of his, and I kept commenting. I was like, I wish I knew how fast this kid was throwing because, I mean, it, it, that is humming. He has got some velocity. And I saw his number, and so I pull up their roster and I'm like, let me see who this is that is throwing. Mm-hmm. It's Bailey Horn, former Auburn Tiger, Bailey Horn. Oh. I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's Bailey Horn. Well, I'll be. Holy crap. And so uh, – 
Uh, at the end of the game, uh, if anybody's ever been to a Biscuits game, the visitors have to come across the field and go down the Biscuits tunnel into the same clubhouse area. Uh, and I just happened to see him coming by, and I gave him a War Eagle, and he looked up at me and said War Eagle back. But it's just neat to see a kid out there like throwing and, and just caught my eye, like I said, with the velocity. And then to see all this, I'm like, oh, that's Bailey Warren. <laughs> okay. That, that's cool. Very cool. So, yeah. But, yeah, great night out there. Enjoy, enjoyed a lot of it. And they were playing, so it was the Tennessee Smokies is who he's pitching for. Then. Yeah, the Cubs affiliate. Uh, and, uh, yes. Uh, so, okay, good deal for, uh, for Bailey. Uh, we did he looked see, good. He, he, I'm telling you, he looked really good out there throwing. That was impressive. We did, uh, did see Edouard Julian uh, get uh, yeah. called to Minnesota today, made his MLB debut, went over two with a walk. So uh, good for another Auburn prospect there working his way to the big leagues. Uh, Cam Barry also with us today on the program. Cam, <coughs> good to see you again, sir. And uh, you had a good sports day yesterday. I did. I had a great sports day. All my all my teams outside of Auburn baseball had a great day. Um the, the Falcons traded for Jeff Okuda with the Lions for only a fifth-round pick, a, a good opportunity to give him a fresh start. He struggled with injuries, only played about in about half of the games uh, in, in three years um, just because of injuries, gives him a, a fresh start, gives him an opportunity to be a, a CB2, give him um, put him next to A.J. Terrell. So that that's a great pairing, just more shoring up of the Falcons' defense that struggled over the last, you know, as long as I can remember. Um, and uh, uh, you know have, have a real defensive threat, so I'm, I'm very excited for that. And then the Braves got a win over the Reds, um, uh, another another solid win. And then um, the 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 Hawks also uh, beating the Miami Heat, securing the seventh seed in the NBA playoffs. So they're set to face off against Boston. Uh, in a seven-game series, I'm not looking too much forward to that, but uh, I like that they they played well last night and and got a good win, uh, especially when literally nobody picked them to win. Everybody picked um, the the Heat to win, and and they went on the road and and got the dub. So it was a, a great night last night, and and you know you wish Auburn baseball had been able to pull out the W uh, at Georgia Tech, kind of fought all the way back and got it to extra innings and i mean even had a lead in the ninth inning just a tough situation and uh they they did end up losing but um showed a lot of fight it's just uh the the you know overall the pitching staff has just kind of struggled a little bit and um the bats kind of brought them back into this one but um yeah it, it i'm doing great and uh, ready to talk some some sports with you guys yeah, let's start uh, with Auburn, uh, and we will uh, at some point hopefully get to some NBA talk and want to preview some some playoffs too yeah. a little bit. But uh, let is, let's start, as always, with Auburn here, and, and unfortunately it was another tough night on the diamond. There was a lot of hope late, as you mentioned. I think they were around 7-2 at one point, and then they were able to get it uh, all the way to an 8-7 lead after another Bryson Ware home run, uh, this time in the ninth inning. And unfortunately, Auburn uh, gives up a run in the bottom half of the ninth, not quite able to get out of it. Uh, and then they go to go to extra innings. And I think they had gotten it to two outs in the bottom of the 10th. They did. And then a walk-off grand slam on the first pitch from Georgia Tech. Uh, and unfortunately, that was off of Auburn's best arm so far this year, off of Will Cannon, who had uh, a two ERA coming into the game. And then he even finally had a bad outing. Auburn's team ERA now 
Cover your ears. It's bad. 6.61, and it now is officially last in the Southeastern Conference. Mississippi State is now just a hair lower. Not good by any means, but a hair lower than Auburn's. Also talked a little bit about off-air. Auburn is getting hot at the plate, but even still, what's kind of weird to think about with this Auburn team is that Auburn is still – out of all the SEC teams, and and look, this doesn't mean they're bad offensively. I think everyone here can say this is a pretty good offensive team. Auburn is still just 13th in the SEC in runs scored, which is pretty surprising. It tells you how good and dynamic this league is, uh, but it puts things into perspective also of how difficult it is to pitch against all these teams in in this league and how good it is. Auburn has now scored five or more runs in 13 straight games. Five is usually a pretty good benchmark to approach to and say, all right, you score more than five, you're going to win more times than not. That has not been the case for Auburn. Auburn is 6-7 and in these last 13 games, of course, all of which, again, as I mentioned, having scored five runs or more in. So it has just been... Um, a tale of two sides of the mound, basically, for Auburn. And, and again, even with them being 13th in runs scored, uh, what are, what is it up to? 240 runs, and the team is played 33 games. 30, yeah, 19-13-1. I think they played 33 games, and they've scored 240 runs. That is still really good offensive baseball. I know that college baseball – is higher scoring than pro baseball, but that is still 7.2 runs a game that Auburn is averaging. Uh, that is Man. a good offense, yeah, but that tells you how dynamic the SEC is yeah. in offense that half the teams are basically averaging near 10 runs boys hitting. a game. But guys, again, it continues to be in a rough patch for Auburn. Sets up a series at Alabama this weekend, who is also 4-8 in the SEC. And... Uh, I, I, at this point, I don't know what you do on the mound. You're still not getting Joseph Gonzalez back yet, if at all. Yeah. And uh, I, I, at this point, Auburn's just finding, trying to find any anyone that can get some outs for him. Yeah, they're just trying to trying to get whatever they can to get a win, trying as as best as possible. Uh, you know, like you said, the bats are are relatively successful. It's just the the arms are just struggling, man. It's it's upsetting to see. Um, but you know what can you do? I mean, you have who you have at this point, and you got to be able to work with what you got. And um, you know, Butch and the staff and everybody's doing the best that they can. It's just you know the arms just they're they're not great and they're not consistent. Um, and and that's you know probably going to be the undoing of this team this year. It just kind of is what it is. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, there's I don't have a whole lot more that I could add to that. But yeah, that it's it's the problem. Again, and I, I go back to the thing I talk about is, uh, you know, I, I look for patterns, um, and that's the pattern of this team that has developed is that you get some pretty good hitting, you get enough, but the, yeah, the arms just are not there, especially when you get later into games, um, and especially when you get into these series and you get later into the series, you start seeing that, that lack of arm. That's why, I like, these Sunday games, these SEC series, Sunday's game, the, Auburn is just getting gobs of runs put up against them. Uh, in the Sunday games and 
and now you're you're losing uh, what you've lost now what back to back midweek games because you got beat by UAB and now you get beat by Georgia Tech. Those are the types that are devastating to you when you start looking at postseason play. Uh, you always talk about those. You got to win those midweek games. Losing those are are, are not yeah. good for for your future. But that is the pattern that Auburn has developed: is that the arms aren't there. That it's just it, this year. Whether it's just a down year, whether there's some guys that aren't struggling. Obviously, you've got the injury thing, but um, they're they're not there. They they just don't have the arms to compete at the highest level right now. Now, can will that change? in the next year or so i'm sure it probably will um i'm also wondering how bad does it hurt that that you lose uh tim hudson as your pitching coach now i don't know something worth thinking about though for sure sure well i mean i mean what a massive drop off that from from what you had and what you have now i mean obviously there's reasons for that you've had you've had guys that have left the program uh, that were coached by uh, Tim Hudson. You've got, obviously, guys that are injured that would be here being able to be big-time contributors. But the guys that are currently here, it feels like have made a, a huge drop-off. And I don't know the reason for that. But, again, kind of makes you wonder. You lose a coach like Tim Hudson. Yeah, they brought in a good coach. But, you know, kind of makes you wonder when you have that kind of a steep drop-off. Right, they did. Uh, I wanted to point out before the year, and I feel we did that, that everyone was kind of focused on Auburn losing Sonny Deshera. Right. But Auburn, in quantity of players, lost more pitchers right. than oh, yeah. they actually lost sure. relevant hitters. They had to bring in a lot of new arms this year. Last year, uh, for reference, in pitching, they were right in the middle of the SEC. They had a 4.49 team ERA. And I believe that was seventh. It was seventh in the SEC. I kind of looked at – I did this the other day. I looked at their last four or five years under Bunch Thompson statistically because obviously there's two College World Series appearances embedded here in the last four or five years. Auburn statistically usually does not, does not compare incredibly favorably. I used a lot of qualifiers on that. But they <laughs> usually don't, don't really do that well in terms of statistics – with the SEC in mind. Now, again, this conference is excellent at baseball, right. and that can be a bit deceiving. We, we always talk about that a little bit in football. It's just different playing in the SEC than it is in just about any other conference. Yeah. And that is maybe even more true uh, at times in baseball because even in these College World Series years, like I just said, Auburn was seventh in ERA last year, and they were sixth – it, uh, at the plate in terms of batting average in terms of runs scored last year they were a little bit higher uh, I think they were no they were sixth and run scored two so again that yeah. doesn't scream an elite team on either side it's solid on both sides right. and I think I saw the other uh, the other college world series team back in 19 was kind of similar it was in that fifth to ten range in both pitching and hitting which again interesting not elite in either one, although they've clearly had some really special players over these last five or six years. But I guess my point is is this is kind of the reality of what happens when Auburn has a few less scholarships to work with than some of these other schools, which they will tell you about constantly. And the fact that a lot consider Auburn baseball's facilities to be in the lower half of the SEC. Like these two things kind of start to add up to where Auburn has done a really good job recruiting for the most part, but it still has some challenges where oh, in the other sports maybe we don't think of 
think of Auburn being in that position. They are in a, a higher up position, and they've clearly had some baseball success, but you compare it to what most of these other teams in the league have going for it right now, and unfortunately it, it is it is a con, it is a year-by-year process. It's not a consistent, like there's going to be three straight years of really good or there's going to be three straight years of really bad. It really is kind of a year-by-year if they're hitting on certain players because, again, of the lack of scholarships, uh, the, the resources are there, but it's just to this point, the facilities still lagging behind just a little bit. Uh, I mean, when you think about some of these other teams like Arkansas and Vanderbilt that are not necessarily uh, as good in certain sports, they put a lot into their baseball. They put a lot into their facilities. They have some extra scholarships available. Um, and, and that has added up, I feel like, for Auburn time and time again to where even when they're good – it's not like they're a dominating good. They right. are a they the they they good. figure out on yeah. the fly how to win baseball games. Not bad, but again, they've not even in, in the couple of college world series teams, they've not been lighting the world on fire in in any in pitching or hitting. So when you have a regression and you have a lot of players that were key that lo- that you lost then that very next year has now turned into a difficult year in terms of, okay, they, they hitting was fine. They, they lost a great Sunday to share. They lost one or two others, but they had a lot of guys back and they brought in Ike Irish and, and they've been fine. Um, but the pitching side of it, when they lost the real depth combined with you lose Joseph Gonzalez, who was going to be a marketably good arm. I mean, he was right. going to be Auburn's very best pitcher. For sure. That's, that's played a early tough toll on the Tigers and, uh, unfortunately, this season is trending in the wrong direction. We will see how they fare in Tuscaloosa. Obviously, that will be a big one because of both teams' relative standing in the SEC. But again, it was another tough night for Auburn in Atlanta last night. After battling back, they fall in extra innings 12-8. to We're going to take our first time out of the show today. More sports call coming up after this. Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Wednesday, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with me here today. Just talked a little Auburn baseball. Still not going well on the mound. Going well at the plate, uh, but still got to figure out how to get more outs and walk less people and not give up walk-off grand slams. Well, and that the walking part, is that's the biggest thing, is, is the freebies. Yeah. And that's one thing that has hurt Auburn so bad in so many of these games are, are the free passes, the hit by the walks, the hit by pitch, those types of things. You know, those are things that you can control. And, and you know, if, if you make a pitch and a dude hits a grand slam, hits a home run off of you, maybe you made one bad pitch that dude just got a hold of, but it's all the walks and the hit batsmen and things like that that – the, the unforced errors that, that Auburn needs to uh, kind of get rid of because that's one of the things that's hurting them so bad. 
Yeah, it's just seeing it and, and just watching the games, you know. I've been to a few and watched a couple on TV. Um, and it's just, yeah, the, the walks are really, I agree, the most frustrating part of it. You're right, Tom, just the freebies. You just can't let them. You know, make them earn getting on base. You know, don't don't let them have these all these walks and, and allowing them to get the bases loaded, putting you in a tough situation, things like that. You just hate the, you just hate that um, that that they're giving away. You know, all these all these bases and making it more difficult, honestly, for yourself when you're a pitcher. Just um, you know, miss whether it be just missing your spots or, or however it is. You know. Um, just it, different things like that, it, and it's 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 frustrating to watch. It, it has been frustrating. I think everyone. It, okay, let me let me see if this is a if this is a false uh, equation or equivalent thing here. Here we go. Do you get? Do you feel like the walk in baseball is kind of like the missed free throw in basketball? Do you or or maybe a hit by pitch or something? Because everyone gets very frustrated at free throws. They feel like that's the right. one of the easier parts of the game. It is a free throw. It's a unguarded fifteen foot shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then some people also get really frustrated with walks. And maybe I'm maybe I'm reaching. So I, I I can I can see the comparison. To me, it's a lot easier to hit a free throw than it is to. Right. To, to I, consistently I throw agree. a strike. I agree. The hit by pitch part of it, though. That I can equate to the to the free throw because sure. you know, just don't hit the guy. His body's right there. You know what I'm saying? I get the you know sometimes it does happen, obviously, but um, and you're not intentionally trying to you know hit the guy. But that is probably where I would equate to it as a missed free throw. Just don't hit the batter, even if you walk him. Don't hit him. Don't there you know, go. That that's where I that's where I would say for sure that it it can equate. Just thinking a little something on the fly there. Yeah, no, it was it was a good comparison. I'll well, give it to you. Let's uh, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you: one location on Gay Street and Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. A Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Today's birthdays start out with Mike Garrett, who turns seventy nine. Former NFL running back Garrett was born in Los Angeles, played college football at USC. Go Trojans. At USC, he was two-time Fight all- on. Uh, or that. Uh, at USC, he was a two-time All-American and winner of the 1965 Heisman Trophy. After setting several national records, his number 20 is retired by USC. He played eight years of professional football in the AFL and NFL, and between the two leagues was a three-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, and three-time league champion, member of the Chiefs Hall of Fame, he has since been the AD at USC, Langston, and Cal State, Los Angeles. He's a, mem- a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. Mike Garrett turns 79 today. Lorenzo White turns 57, former NFL running back. White was born in Florida and played college football at Michigan State. The Spartans. While with the Spartans, White became the first, or became, yeah, the first Big Ten running back to have a 2,000 yard season. Two-time All-American, 1987 Big Ten Player of the Year. Was drafted 22nd overall by the Oilers in 1989. Played eight seasons in the NFL. Was a one-time Pro Bowler. Lorenzo White turns 57 today. Nate Soldier turns 35. Former NFL offensive tackle. Soldier was born in Denver and played college football at Colorado. Good buffs. He was a one-time All-American, two-time Big 12, one-time Big 12 Offensive Lineman of the Year. In 2011, he was taken 17th overall by the New England Patriots, where he played, or where he started for seven years while he's never made a Pro Bowl. He is regarded as one of the better players in Patriots history. 
and a key part to many of their Super Bowl runs. Two-time Super Bowl champion Nate Solder turns 35 today. And Ted Ginn Jr. turns 39. Former NFL wide receiver Ginn was born in Cleveland, where he was a high school All-American and 2004 National Defensive Player of the Year. He's also a national champion in several track and field events. He was a five-star recruit and signed to play corner at Ohio State. Go Buckeyes! But moved to wide receiver in three years at Ohio State. Three-time All-American, twice as a wide receiver, once as a returner. Holds the Big Ten record for most career punt return touchdowns with six. Taken ninth overall by the Dolphins in 2007. Played for seven teams over his 14-year career. Ted Ginn Jr. turns 39. Again, Mike Garrett, 79. Lorenzo White, 57. Nate Soldier, 35. And Ted Ginn Jr., 39. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Very weird thing with Ted Ginn Jr. that somebody like me who's a nerd with certain things when it comes to like aesthetics of of football uniforms helmets and everything there's a weird thing that ted ginn jr used to do what was it do y'all have any idea what it is i don't i don't he wore the kicker face mask the kicker the there is a mask that is specifically designed for kickers to use it's actually called a kop mask he wore he wore that mask and i think he even had a visor on it so it's a I'd have to show you a picture of it to, for you to even know exactly what I'm talking about, but it is a specific kicker face mask that he wore. I just thought it was weird, a position player wearing a kicker fa- kicker's face mask. Yeah. You just don't see that. You don't can I, see that. Can I, be, can I be dumb for a second? Like, what, what would be the biggest difference in a typical wide receiver face mask and a kicker face mask? The, uh, the positioning of the bars – so uh, again, I'd have to show you a picture and actually break it down. Sure. But but a normal, um, what would be called an o, an OPO mask, which is an oral protection mask. Mm. Uh, a lot of times you'll have either two two horizontal bars or you'll have a singular horizontal bar that uh, goes across about nose level. And on this one, the bar single bar goes around about mouth level instead of that. That's the difference of it. Okay, it, it's still an oral protection mask, but it literally just has a really skinny bar that goes across your mask instead uh-huh. of kind of up around the nose wide receiver a little more protective because you get more protective of more, the full yeah. face the kicker mask are uh, you know basically a modern day equivalent of the old joe theisman single bar mask okay. is kind of how okay. that looks i got you off, off off air i will show you a picture so sure. you'll know exactly what i'm talking about people don't realize you're a big uh, maybe they do i don't know but an underrated part is that you really love helmets and, and I, all about all that it stuff. i um yeah like the, the helmets and face mask thing has been something i've had an interest in since i was a tiny little kid and uh i know way more history of face masks than any human should know heck yeah but i do everyone has their thing man I, I i mean it. i know the specific names of like i said opo and injop nose jaw oral protection and the injop mask yeah, some of those words I mean, flying over my head. I was just going to say. I mean, we're allowing you to catch them, but that, that is awesome. We're going to take our next time out of the show. More sports call coming up after the break. Yeah. 
have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Wednesday, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm or the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here. Tom did show me a little bit over the break. I did the breakdown of the masks and showed you the chart with the different masks and their names and explained what I was talking about with Ted Ginn Jr. And, I have learned things. And you have learned, as did Cam. Cam and I have both learned Learning things. new things. But you learn some new things. Absolutely. Learn something new every day. Yeah. Um, yeah, There, gosh, there was a lot of what was it? Probably like thirty helmets on that chart, something like that. Something like that. That was a, that was and, a good number of, yeah. of helmets with just very subtle differences in yeah. some cases. Well, and 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 those, uh, it, it, honestly, just that chart is kind of a basic shut chart. Shut being the company right. that makes them. Yeah. Um, but I mean, those are a lot of those masks that are on that chart are not even used anymore because the helmet technology has gotten, they look kind of similar, but mm-hmm. the masks and the technology of helmets have gotten so now different that uh, they may look kind of similar to those, but you know, they're not, there's a, a lot of different uh, helmet styles and stuff out there now than what's on that chart. Sure. That's just kind of the old school of what they used to be. But it was perfect for the whole Ted Ginn conversation yeah. with him wearing the, the RKOP mask. Yeah, it's maybe – I now, granted, I mean, he was a player, you know, 15 years ago or so right. when he was in college and, and then got in the pros. But uh, I wonder if they'd even let you do that if you wanted to, if they feel yeah. like it was some because, again, they continue to advance safety. And, right. Uh, I know they are improving the technology of, of all that stuff. and. Well, well I'll tell you this. The, the, just even the, the style of helmet that Ginn would have worn – is not even allowed anymore. Um, okay. You, you uh, for instance, all right, so for instance, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, he's one of the few left that wears that type of helmet and that type of mask. That I mean, everybody now is the the Rydell, mm-hmm. uh, all the all the different Rydell helmets that are out there now. And then Shut has these whole new helmets with different stuff. And Vices, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes wears a, a helmet by a company called Vices. And um, so, yeah, I mean, just you talk about the safety aspect of it. I mean, just that helmet and that mask is usually not even allowed at all. You know, I don't usually notice this type of thing, but there is a type of helmet that I have started to notice in the NFL. And uh, you're the the guy that asked about this. Do you know what helmet George Kittle wears? Because Kittle has this thing. That almost oh, like comes, new helmets, right? comes over more. Well, it's almost it almost right. looks like it's a, it's a different shape. Almost it's 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 so different. I noticed it. Let I me put it that way. I don't extra, usually notice that. Is type it not of thing. for extra like protection or something? I mean, like I that? assume so. I, it's not. It's I, I not know more exactly open. what you're right. talking about. Um, I'm trying to pull that helmet up. It's he, recently. It's not been his whole right. career. It have to be like yeah, because because he, he's wearing uh, uh the Rydell. Uh, speed flex uh so th- a lot of these guys um with the the right L speed flex they actually customize them to their head and that was one of the reasons they had this whole discussion about um going to the uh, two helmets um so that they could wear alternate uniforms mm-hmm. 
And they were like, a lot of the players didn't want to do it because the helmet is actually custom fit to their head. Uh, I mean, they, they go through body scans and everything, and they actually make the helmet specifically for that, that person's me. head. It even has their signature in, <laughs> ingrained into the padding. Of course. And, and so, but um, I'm trying to find, I just keep seeing this same one. I, I will do some research for you and see if I can't find it. I just keep seeing them in the 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 Rydell Speed Flex. It it looks more it looks more alien to me. I don't know. I don't know how. <laughs> I honestly agree. I don't know how else. It <laughs> seems like something that an alien would wear as a helmet. As they're like starting to reveal themselves and know the horror that's about to ensue. <laughs> you, you said uh, George Kittle. Okay, here it is. It's this. It's got it's this bigger shaped front. I'm going to give the phone to Tom. This is great radio. Uh, look oh. at this. is always look a great way this. to talk on the radio. Um, <laughs> you see what I'm talking about? Like yeah. at the top? No, it yeah, comes out very bubble, bubblish at the top. I, I want to say that that is a helmet by Vices, but I'd have to look that up and do some research. I, I don't think that's a Rydell helmet. It just looks yeah, like the top right where the forehead is, it just looks like it's poofed out more for, for those right. that can't see it. It's just a bubble. It's like, like a big said. bubble. Up, well, it almost looks like a big padding off the forehead of it almost. And so that that's the only time that like I, I get... Yeah, because uh, I really yeah, like, notice stuff like that. Sure. Well, I mean, when there, when there's something unusual, and usually that happens that the new technology comes out, and you'll see like a new helmet, and you're like, "Ooh, what is that? That's gross." Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that that has happened. That that helmet that you just showed me. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's 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 a little it's, different. It's, it's definitely different. <laughs> that, that is definitely different. Um, we can move on conversation. I will try to see if I can't find out what helmet that what is, is that? specifically and tell you. I just have to. Do some uh, research here. Sure. As we move on, we're about to talk a little Auburn basketball and the roster scholarships, that sort of thing. But we want to tell you about an exciting opportunity, Lessons with Lior. Register your child for a chance to win a one-on-one basketball lesson for two with Lior Berman, a Mountain Brook, Alabama native and Auburn basketball walk-on. Lior worked his way into the rotation, became an Auburn fan favorite. Visit myaucu.org backslash Lior. To enter, it'd be pretty cool. Have some lessons from the sharpshooter, the Berminator, the Lior Berman. So, again, that website is visit myaucu.org backslash Lior. And we have a helmet. That helmet is the Vices Zero Two Trench. And that helmet is actually designed for, specifically designed for offensive linemen, in his case, tied uh-huh. in, uh-huh. but it has that padding up there because uh, that's where that contact is made in the trenches. Mm-hmm. That a lot of that head-to-head contact. Um, so, and that's why it's called the trench in the trenches of football. But yeah. it, that is the Vice's Zero Two Trench, and it is yes, a helmet specifically di- designed for uh, offensive linemen. That's cool. The more you know. That's cool. I again that again for those that don't look, it looks a little more alien. Yeah. It's just bigger up top and the like the front kind of where the forehead is, uh, but that makes sense that it would be for offensive linemen because you have the yeah. you're trying to get low all the time and turning uh, my uh, computer around to show Ryan all the uh-huh. all the yeah. zero two trench helmets. Gosh, yeah, yeah. Those are, those look like something that you would you would expect coming from space or something uh, yeah. like so yeah i was kind of actually thinking it looks like something you'd see like a fighter pilot wearing yeah. is kind of what it looks like all right so let's talk a little uh little basketball portal before uh we, we get to the end of the hour 
No new news in terms of uh, any more commits for Auburn or any more decisions by players looking to potentially return next year. But there continues to be more portal news in the form of more guys that are jumping into the portal, more guys that Auburn has on the radar, and more guys that um, that have Auburn on their radar. And guys, one of the names recently now is apparently one of the four or five schools in the mix for Devin Cambridge is <laughs> oh. the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, I, I saw that today. Uh, uh, for folks that don't know, he, he went to uh, Arizona State and was playing there and is now transferring away from Arizona State. Um, he is making a visit to Oregon, but he also has Auburn listed among others that he's considering. So, uh, yeah, that would be – Neat, odd. Um, you know, I, I don't well, know. The, I don't know the reason. I don't know the reasonings behind why Devin Cambridge left to begin with. He went to go play with but, his brother. His, oh, well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, his brother left Nevada. That's um, right. And went to go play. They went to go play together at Arizona State. I think that was part of the driving force. Obviously, we kind of know he didn't have much of a role. He wouldn't have had much of as much of a role this season um, as he could. You know this upcoming season if he were to come back so it's not necessarily um unprecedented that he would return he's he's shooting a lot better i know a lot of people had their issues with cambridge in the sense of you know he wasn't great shooting but he's back to shooting as good as he was his freshman year um he shot 35 percent from three and and i mean that's gonna help big time if you're you know auburn looking for more shooting and a wing uh plays solid defense and i mean you know what you're getting in devon in devon cambridge and right. he's improved in the one thing that you kind of could criticize him for so um you'll 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 uh you'll take what you can get if you want him back and and for sure and then yeah I, so I interrupt this beautiful talk about transfer portal to go back to the conversation we were just having with the helmets. Je our friend Jeff from Columbus uh, just just called in uh, that Tom uh, wanted to tell you that that helmet reminds him of the great gazoo from the Flintstones. <laughs> yeah. Flintstones. Yeah. And I, I pulled up a picture just so I could get that <laughs> reference again. And I agree. It's it's yeah. just it's all around it's, bigger. It's bulbous. Yeah. Yes. It, it is. It is a bulbous helmet. But again. The safety features specifically for the offensive lineman making that head contact, um, trying to cut down on the uh, the amount of concussions that happen in football. Uh, so as we do talk about the Devin Cambridge, because I want to get a word in on Devin, you know, this is somebody that got off to a really good start at Auburn in terms <laughs> of what I thought would be a, a budding bench role, role player role. You know, his first year – uh, with Tigers, it's not like he averaged some great sum of points, but he was a freshman. But most importantly, I felt like he shot 34% from three. We always have known about Devin that he had just explosive athleticism. I mean, he right. was coming in right on the bounce heels. Bounce man, bounce man. Yeah, exactly. Coming in on the heels of Malik Dunbar, and it felt like he was going to be like the exact same kind of player. And then his three ball just got worse and worse, 28.5%. His sophomore year, 22% on two and a half attempts oh, a game. That was two years ago. That's that just awful. so rough right. to it's, watch. It's, it's not good. It's like he just, when he was shooting, you knew it wasn't going to go in. And and he's always had, I thought, you know, it's a, he's had a little bit of a hitch in his form, right. but it's very upright form. I don't think it's all bad. Um, you know, in other words, he's not like going to the side. He's right, usually right. able to get oh, postured right. correctly. 
Uh, his three ball improved to 33.3% at Arizona State this year. It was basically the same percentage yep. he shot his freshman year at Auburn. So still not lighting the world on fire, but there's a vast difference in low to mid-30s compared to low to mid-20s. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and so him with uh, his brother Desmond, you know, he did average about 10 points a game for Arizona State too, by the way. Um, that ability, that the athleticism – it would be kind of weird that we're going through this in another portal guy. He's not yeah, going severe? on a severe wheeler. Yeah, yeah, I was I was thinking about that too. Where he was with Tom Crean in the waning moments of Crean's journey at Georgia, <laughs> and then uh, he went to Kentucky, and now that Mike White is at Georgia, they're heavily recruiting Severe Wheeler to come back, and he's gone on a visit Georgia. Yeah. The visit thing to Georgia fascinates me yeah, it's because like, it's like, dude, you know what it looks like. Right. You were there two years ago. It's, I mean, I, it's got to be like a conversation to talk about his role right. on the team, right? More than anything. Yeah, it's <laughs> much more structured about the relationship part of it. But it's <laughs> like, if, be like, hey, this my... is our practice gym that you shot <laughs> in every day for a back. year. I want this back. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> I want he, everything to be the same. He knows all the good spots on the on the on the roster, right. and, or excuse me, all the good spots in the gym and in the locker room and around campus already. Um, so that is going to be interesting. My question is: Can you guys on the fly? And I couldn't. So it's still pretty new here. Would those guys, if either Cambridge came back to Auburn or Wheeler back to Georgia, would they be the first guy to hit? Like transfer from a school, go play somewhere else for a full year, and then come back to the original school. What you're saying would they we would they be the first? Would they be the first guy in this new portal deal where I we're transferring so. all the time? Right. Can we think of anyone else that has come back to a yeah school? come back to the place they originally left? And I don't mean mm. like got their name in the portal and then decided right. to then take came, it out. No, I mean no, like no. full fledged left, left came for a back. Year. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I don't think so either. We're flirting yeah. with it this time. I, and that's uh, that's that. Like when when I remember, you know, seeing that Wheeler had interest in going back to Georgia, I said, "Man, that's pretty interesting." And you know, maybe he did like it there. He just didn't like Tom Green. Yeah, Green. And so, you know, it's kind of the same same situation where he's coming back. Mike White Scott. You know, he has improved Georgia. Um, Definitely, I, I feel like um, yeah, they were they, they were better as a team this right. year than they were the year they had Anthony. Very Edwards. much so. Yes, just put that perspective. Right into yes, a hundred percent. So they they have some solid guards. You know, they they do have Okendo who's in the uh, portal. Yeah, but getting Wheeler back after losing Okendo would be a significant addition. I feel like you know he is a smaller guard. He's about the same size as Wendell. Uh, but he does he does pass the ball very very well. I think he led the league in assists at one point. He led the SEC uh, in assists and average. I think he averaged like five point four assists per game. Right. You know, so a, a really good passer, a really good point guard, uh, able to really control the floor, and that that is more than likely something that um, uh, Mike White is looking for to to add to his team. And and Wheeler, you know, lost his role kind of in Kentucky. Um, with with Coach uh, Calipari, uh, he was injured a little bit, right? I th- I think yes. that's kind of what knocked. And then he just, I I just think he just wasn't producing, and and you know the team was just struggling, and he had to turn more to uh, Case and Wallace to really bring more production to the offense, uh, and so that kind of cost Wheeler his role, and, and Wheeler, or excuse me, uh, Wallace being a bigger guard also on defense, it kind of helped 
Kentucky a little bit more as well. So uh, I think those are just contributing factors as to why he did end up transferring because, you know, he was a, a bona fide starter for, you know, the entirety of the season last year with Kentucky. So, you know, it was definitely interesting to see how he just kind of dropped out and, and so quickly, you know, he was the, you know, he did have the injuries and then just, it just kind of fell off. So, you know, him going back to Georgia, I think, he, you know, it gives him the opportunity to go back to somewhere where he had originally committed to um, and a better coach uh, and, a, and a, maybe a better system and offense that gives him an opportunity to thrive. So I don't see why not. And with Cambridge, you know, you're looking at the shooting and, and the defense, uh, you know, a good three and D player that will make the three. I think that's really what um, what you're you're looking for. And, you know, like you said, he uh he improved a lot in his three-point shooting, the low 22s to low low 30s, low low 20s to low 30s. That improvement, that 10% improvement is, I mean, drastic in, in all honesty. Um, and so for him to uh, come back and, and maybe have another role, I don't I, – I, obviously I don't see him starting, but in a bench role, in a reserve role, I think that would be very useful and very, very helpful for Auburn. Yeah, Severe Wheeler, uh, I know you were talking about Cambridge there, just the thought on Wheeler – his production from a points perspective went down at Kentucky, yeah. but he was a three to one assist turnover guy uh, this past year Dude at Kentucky. So it, there's still clear value there, even if he's not always uh, the, the best of scores. And then, uh, yeah, for Auburn with, with Cambridge, he is someone to watch out for. Again, you've got to collect, you know, they're not going to be fired up about every single guy as being a complete game changer but having cambridge back a part of, as a as a key bench role yeah. would be something more appetizing for auburn and, and hopefully that time at arizona state uh, would have helped that again we're speculating here but but auburn is one of the four or five schools mentioned for cambridge and uh we've just got to see uh, if that ends up coming to fruition or if Wheeler goes to Georgia, any one of those uh, two re-arrivals, I guess, uh, in the portal. We are out of time for our number one. Stay tuned, though. A lot more sports call ahead. Again, we'll be getting off here about 5.30 today, so a lot more fun in store here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. We'll be back after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally 
or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Starting of hour number two of Sports Call right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan, Cam, and Tom with you here this afternoon. And uh, we're going to mix things up. It's not quite a wacky Wednesday, but we're going to mix up uh, from the sports talk for just a few minutes. Um, we've talked a little bit about it this week. Bucky's is here. <laughs> and it sparked a couple uh, of, of questions in my mind. Also, I've just saw another friend was over that way. And just everyone's going to have visited Bucky's in this area by the end of the week, I feel like. Uh, Cam's already been there. Tom, you've not been there yet. Uh, it's yet. coming. Uh, we talked to Ferg about it yesterday. I'm sure I'll get over that way at some point. So it got me got me thinking, what is your go-to snack from a convenience store if you're on the road, and what's your go-to drink or beverage when you go to a convenience store? Uh, so like if I'm making a road trip? Yes. Because, I mean, Mountain look, Bucky's – Mountain Dew and a Slim Jim. Mountain Dew and Slim Jim. Yep. Okay. Or, or 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 like one of the we'll call it a meat stick. Or you know anything with meat. <laughs> meat stick because doesn't necessarily have to be Slim Jim because I do like the. Uh, oh goodness, I can't even think of the the name of the company that does them, but they're really good. But yeah, I mean that's kind of my typical is a a Mountain Dew and a Slim Jim. I like to get either barbecue or original chips lays or um and uh typically either a sprite or sprite orange fanta or mountain dew a rotation of the three okay all right yeah now so it sounds like it's down to a, a pretty uh, there's not a lot of variance for you guys mm. now okay if i'm just going Okay, Bucky's is a mile from here. Uh, we know right. that because the interstate tells us that we're one <laughs> mile exit away. Literally. Um, so if I was just going to, if you were just going to the convenience store just on a random day, I know the variety is going to change a lot. So what are some of the top options? Not you're not road trip. Just you need a snack, or you're pulling in, want a drink before the show. Tom, I kind of know the answer for you because you bring drinks to the show very often. Although you went a little different today. Yeah, I did. Um, what what are all the options on the table for you if you're just midday snacking? <sighs> Man, I orange still orange Fanta is always a consistent for me. Um, that yeah, or, or an orange I'll cut out Sprite because I do I drink Sprite so much, you know that. Um, but I, I usually will Sprite. Uh, excuse me, um, orange Fanta and Mountain Dew. I'll kind of keep those two in rotation. And then um, just for a snack, I'll do like Chex Mix sometimes. That's that's um, yeah. yeah, and and original or cheddar or I like bold. I like the bold. The bold is bold. pretty good as well. Um, and then um, honey roasted peanuts as well. Um, nice. Okay. Yeah. Just I'm working on trying to clean up my diet, so that's <laughs> all. Just uh, yeah, the honey roasted peanuts can be pretty good. And then you saw today, Ryan. You got a pro tried, yeah. yeah, I got a protein bar, so I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out just different things that are 
trying to be a little bit better for myself. I also got a cliff bar. I didn't eat that yet, but uh, I'm going to save that for a different day. All right, Tom. Mm, so like this could also be like a Mountain Dew power ranking for you, but right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but, but again, you know, if you if you were coming in the show, I know you usually bring a beverage, but if you were coming in the show and you hadn't eaten and you need a quick snack or something, like right. what would you consider getting? You know, and and obviously I see them, but for listeners, what would be the the top three or four drink well, choices? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, so. Typically, again, I, I just grab like a quick, like a Slim Jim type okay. deal. And it, there's been plenty of times I'll eat one in the truck okay. before I come into the studio or finish one off. I'm riding down the road past Bucky's, <laughs> <laughs> eating one. Um, yeah. Uh, now, okay. Well, now I've been on a big body armor kick uh-huh. lately. Now, today I've got the Sunkissed Berry Lemonade because I saw it and it's bright electric blue and i was like that looks really good and different and i want to try it it's pretty good but that might be the first time i've ever had that okay or maybe the second time um uh body armor kick though if i'm just if i'm just thirsty obviously mountain dews are not going to make me get unthirsty so if i'm parched then uh yeah the body armor uh yeah and uh, yeah, I mean that's that's I'm I'm either gonna have a Mountain Dew or a Body Armor when I come into the studio. Yeah, except for today, <laughs> except for except for the day in which we speak about this. Well, my okay, this the conversation is this because Bucky's is so damn big, right? And there is almost everything under the sun. There are things that you wouldn't think of would be in a convenience store, but again, again, Bucky's is still a convenience store inside. It's just a rather large. Conglomerate of a convenience <laughs> store with a little, yeah, yeah, with, with a little flair. I mean, but but again, it's just it's it's that on steroids. Is what it is. Yeah, and that so, kitchen is good though. And so I went in there for the first time. Not this one. I, I'd never been in a Bucky's until a couple months ago, and I didn't know what to do. Like there was too much. Like convenience went out the window because it took me like 15 minutes to decide on something (laughs) that's fair so it felt like kind of grocery store ish because i couldn't get out of there conveniently (laughs) yeah took a long time i've got a kind of counterpoint to my convenience store point but like it's it's every version of everything pretty much in there see what i'm saying well i mean you go to bucky's for the experience you know i if I'm if I'm if I'm going to if I I'm, can't believe that it's it's a gas station. I know, but it's but it's an experience. It's so you're much right, more. Though. You're right. No, now, you're right. But now, if it's, I'm just that's the crazy part, yeah. dude. We are from Alabama. Yeah, but you know, I I have um, I have my a uh, couple of stores that I that I frequent that are near my apartment. Uh, but the one in particular is is the. Uh, uh, the the convenience store and everything that is connected to Fat Daddy's because I know the folks that work there. I see them almost on a daily basis. That's where I run in. I grab my drink, grab my snack, whatever. Whether it be coming here, or whether it be stopping before I go and uh, and bartend for the day uh, at Fat Daddy's, I always stop there, get my drink and snack and whatever. And I and so now I'll tell you this: uh, snack wise. When I'm going in there, a lot of times it's that Chex Mix. I love the bold Chex Mix, but there's also um, cheese. It they have the cheese. It's in there the uh, bacon, <sighs> the bacon cheddar duos. I've never had cheese. It's oh, I like cheese. Oh, a they're lot, so. Dude. I yeah. used to eat cheese. Like so crazy. so good. <laughs> so good. I'll have to get that. Shot. Gardettos are also very good. 
I'm kind of. I oh. hope. So I hope yes. someone's mad at me for bringing this up because you're probably in your car right now driving around, and you're probably very near a convenience a store. <laughs> and I'm probably making everyone want to get snacky. All right, let's go to the Auburn Make Fun Line. I'm going to get mine in just a second. Let's see what uh, our ne- our friend Anthony from Auburn has to say. Anthony, how are you doing? Good, good. You guys doing well? Yes, sir, Great. doing well. You know, speaking of Bucky's, I went in there yesterday morning when I got off work, and I tell you, they got a wide variety of uh, sandwiches. Anything you want to eat, they got it. Pastries and all. I mean, it is the convenience store of all convenience stores. But I tell you what it did. I got me one of those big roast beef sandwiches with that pepper jack cheese and jalapeno peppers and mayo and tomatoes. And I got a, a turkey sandwich as well, and it was loaded down. And I got me a big old fountain drink, and I went out to my car and sat in the parking lot, and I stuffed myself, and it took me an hour to lay back <laughs> and get myself together before I could even drive home. And I wanted to go back in and, and get me some of those pastries, because they got, I mean, cinnamon buns, rolls, donuts, anything you could think about to eat, beef jerky. Uh, they got it all. I mean, i never seen anything like it as far as uh, the convenience store, but it's 24 hours a day, so if you get hungry in the middle of the night and you want a turkey sandwich or a tuna sandwich or a brisket sandwich or or some kind of Italian meatball sandwich, or whatever kind of sandwich you want, a biscuit, they got it. So go get it. Y'all have a good one. You <laughs> I appreciate hey, it. He ain't lying, though. They, uh, I'm, I'm, for breakfast, I'm glad man. Anthony had been there. I, I, I'm i with him, too. Like I, I think the time of day I went was closer to like 10 o'clock local time because it was the one in Calhoun, Georgia. Yeah. Georgia yeah, or yeah, somewhere. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they had it all. I mean, they still had all the sandwiches. It was as if it was... Prime Fresh, dinner hour, yeah. and it was again. It was not. We get we hit the road after a show one day, so I mean, it was not right. It was not earlier than nine or nine thirty Eastern. They had it all all out there. I got a little upset. I, I I'm, I'm not trying to it, it, this this Bucky's. I'm sure is going to be great. It's just open it had to be. I got a little upset because you know what, you know what was interesting about the Calhoun, Georgia. Bucky's is that they did not have as many actual bottled drinks as I thought they would. Right. You know, they have a million fountains and they've got icy wow. machines and all that. But they the bottle drinks, of- the more base heart of the convenience store, I guess because it is not, it is so normal, it is not out of the ordinary right. that there's not as much attention on it, not as many people grab it. A, the selection was very small. What I thought, you know, the rest of Bucky's selection is. Monumental, but that part of it, the selection was smaller. The normal, it was a normal, normal thing. But then, secondly, it some of it was expired. Oh, wow. like as if no one had been buying them whatsoever, and they had expired two or three months ago. And look, you can drink expired soda, but it's not going to taste the same. I'm right. still, it's not not up on my my wish list there for expired soda to drink. So I was like, all right, well, I'm definitely going fountain drink now. I, I was under the impression that they might have. Just uh, again, wonky types of soda, maybe in a bottle too. But I think it was just Pepsi products. I'm not sure if it's like that with all Bucky's or not. But so that was the one, one thing I was like, oh, that was that was a little less than stellar. But everything else about it, again, millions of fount- <laughs> fountains there. Um, Fountain drinks are better, anyway, in my opinion. They are. They, it depends. Like, I, I I don't want to get into my spiel of I I I drink soda all the time. <laughs> So I have like a I have like a ten I have like ten sodas where I'm like is it better than the bottle can or fountain and I have opinions on it I'm not going to bore everybody with it but my my personal convenience store snacking habits have changed a good bit uh, over the last couple of years as I started driving to Tampa seven hours and it became a necessity 
to get something on the road at some point. Because before that, it was all just kind of in the snacking base. Like, okay, sure. I'm at work here, and let's go go to the gas station across the street here and and do that. So when I'm on the road, is is decent amount different than when I'm just um, getting a, a snack because I get something a little bit more substantial. Not that there's a lot of substantial things in a convenience store. I will get something like Cheez-Its or something... Um, maybe pop tart related for like a quasi half a meal there as I'm driving seven hours. And then I have cam, I have started getting more fountain drink sodas on the road because I am not as multitask oriented (laughs) as I want to be on the road. That's fair. Which I mean, I don't think I should apologize because I'm just focused on the road. (laughs) I mean, I don't don't know. That's a good idea. You know, I don't know if that's horrible. But so I don't like the messing with the bottle caps and stuff too. Yeah, it's way easier to pick up a fountain drink with a straw. Yep. And so I've started when I'm on the road. I go away from bottles now. And also, they make the fountain drinks cheaper. They're like 89 cents a lot of places. Cheaper, just better. My only downside to the fountain drink deal is that, especially on a road trip, yeah, it's easier to like pick it up, drink out of a straw or whatever. However, about halfway through, all that ice melts, and then it just starts tasting like gross. That's why you get light ice, Tom. I mean, you do kind of control your own experience there. Yeah, if if you're going to drink fast, it doesn't matter. But yeah, if you're trying to stretch it out for a couple hours, then just put just a little bit in there. Just a slight amount of ice, keep it cold. It already Mm. comes out pretty cold. I I, I stick to the bottle. I can can have one hand on the steering wheel and manipulate the cap. Again, I mean, I can. I'm not saying like I'm devoid of that talent. Ice ice milt. I'd just rather not. I've just started (laughs) to say, you know what? You know, the interstate's pretty busy going down to Florida. Uh, there's a lot of people in Ocala. God, there's a lot of people in Ocala, and I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I've just, you know what? With cars on both sides of me, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make it as easy as possible sometimes. Yeah. And that's also why I get foods that are like more of a whole, like a protein bar or a pop tart or something that is not like constantly having to dip from or, right. or, or reach out of, because I try to keep it to okay, I can hold it the whole time. I can right. hold a protein bar the entire time. I can sure. hold a pop tart the entire time. I if I'm pulling chips all the time, right. oh, yeah. that's a, that's a little more difficult. Well, and that's why I go with the Slim Jim type. Stuff and that's fair. Too. Yeah, that's yeah. same type of thing. Easy handheld. Yeah. Now with with just snacking, with just the generic ah for the heck of it, right before the show or something. Uh, I'm going Code Red Mountain Dew wow. before anything else. Love Code Red. Love it. Um. I would then probably go like vanilla Coke or something like that, although I really prefer it out of a Coke freestyle machine. Not going to get too much in the weeds there. And then that's when I start to be like, ooh, cookies! (laughs) 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 When I'm pulling up just for a snack, it's like, I haven't eaten these cookies in a year, and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, oh, they've got these new flavor, a new type of Reese's. They put peanut butter in something else now. (laughs) So I get get much more candy-oriented and... and, uh, cookie oriented in the snack but i just got to know what everyone's habits are because everyone's going to go to bucky's and get big chips you know they've got those they've got fudge there had that in the first experience man fudge is a lot it's it it, and the surface area fudge is so small and yet i barely got through it much it's heavy 
It is. And what it's are a the lot. Be- the beaver nuggets? Yeah, beaver nuggets. Yeah, yeah. beaver nuggets. I, I've got to try those because I mean everybody are, everybody needs yeah. to try beaver nuggets those just because. Here was my response called. with the fudge. Here's here was my response. Well, that's overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it Agreed. it was four or five bites, and yeah. I was already struggled, yeah. and that's like a twenty bite endeavor somehow. Sure. You just can't. Oh yeah. You just can't. Um, yeah. But yeah, I have not had the beaver nuggets yet. I, I advocate for their breakfast. I went. That's what I had when I went uh, Monday, the day they opened. I went and uh, I stopped because you know I'm coming back from Montgomery, so it's right there. Might as well. Why not? And I was like, I'm just gonna grab myself something to eat. I was like, that seemed like they have some pretty good breakfast items. So I'd never been there for breakfast. Mm-hmm. So I've always, I've always, you know, anytime I've been around a Bucky's, it's always been around like lunchtime. So went in there and got a. Good breakfast burrito. That's what Ferg talked about. He yes, got one yesterday. It was, yeah. it was very good. So he said it almost. It was supposed to either either it was supposed to be a taco, but function more like a burrito, or it was supposed to be a burrito, but function more like a taco. I can't I remember. Know. What, I, Mine was I don't a burrito. Know. Okay. I don't know. Maybe he got the taco, but it still came out kind of like that. Hey, you know what? I, I They do have the tacos like really wrapped like burritos. So uh-huh. I, I can yeah. definitely see what, where he's talking it, about. Everything he described with that breakfast thing it just sounded like an absolute gut bomb. I know. I, but it also you, sounds very good. I, I'm going so to say something to Cam. You guys that do breakfast burritos, the, you that's impressive to me because most people can't like – can't hold down a, a, a yeah. normal burrito or something. <laughs> I'm not taking a chance starting my day like that. Oh my god, not doing so that. Good. Uh, and then like Taco Bell breakfast and all that. I just can't. It's too early to get I, going on I, that train. I love a breakfast burrito, and I don't. You know, I don't eat them crazy often or anything like that. But um, and when before Fuzzies changed their hours to where they don't open till 10 a.m. now, mm. I would get a breakfast burrito from there every once in a while, and their breakfast burritos are also good. So do they do away with the breakfast altogether? No, then, or they still have the breakfast. They just go, I think they just go from like 10 to 12 or something like that. Okay. Or no, well, their breakfast is actually all day, but um, they, they just opened a little later just because, you know, nobody's up that early. Sure. They opened at like 7. So, yeah, it, um but Bucky's burritos, they're really good. Next time I go, I'm gonna try a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit because that is my aside from maybe a chicken biscuit with cheese, a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit is my favorite biscuit. So I, I, I'm gonna give that a shot. Look, it's it's taking us over. Yeah, the, the Bucky's, the, the Beaver, the Bucky's craze it's, is here. It's uh, it's here, and uh, we played right into it there, but. <laughs> Hey, a little bit of a, uh, not a full-fledged Wacky Wednesday there, but just a, a little something to to disrupt us from our, our normal sports talk. We will get back to that here on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Join our conversation. Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back to Sports Call on this Wednesday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Barry with you here. Just had a fun conversation about something not sports-related, food and beverage. Uh, we will get back on track a little bit here. Let's talk a little professional baseball now. Atlanta Braves in action again last night. Another victory this time. The first home win without the uh, walk-off variety. Braves were able to... Uh, have a kind of back and forth game last night with the Reds and ended up winning that one seven to six. Uh, also, some Major League Baseball news was which was interesting, and I'm always fascinated about this kind of thing in the in the business world and uh, the business of sports. But uh, it looks like uh, reports out today that Salt Lake City uh, is trying to gather up a bid uh, for a new for a Major League Baseball team. And it's kind of spearheaded by the former owner of the Jazz. And it get, got me thinking again. We had a little bit of a conversation around the office where, uh, I, you know, I wondered if um, w- what the MLB would be looking at in their next couple of, of cities. And, of course, Salt Lake City has the Utah Jazz, but it does not it. have any other professional sport there. And it got me thinking about, potential baseball landing spots. I, I think we'll get to a point here in these major sports leagues. The NFL is already at 32 where the NBA and MLB will get to 32 right. within the next decade or so. It's just a matter of where. So the salt would be kind of weird in Salt Lake City. Does that do anything for you? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I think Nashville is the best place right now for uh, if, if major league is looking to expand, I think Nashville is kind of that perfect market. Um, Salt Lake City, no. There's a there's a reason that they only have one professional franchise in Salt Lake City, being the Jazz. Uh, there's no NFL team, no MLB team. Uh, they don't even have an NHL team, do they? No. no. So they have the one friend. It's because that market is not what it needs to be to support bigger teams. But in Nashville, you've got NFL, you've got NHL. Uh, bring in MLB, and I and think Nashville's growing. I, I'm not yeah. saying Salt Lake City's not growing, but uh, but Nashville is yeah, continuously growing. growing. Um, I yeah, I mean, I think I think Nashville would be the perfect area for a uh, for a another major league team, and, and maybe potentially Charlotte area. Um, I mean, you got NFL, you've got NBA, um, NHL, NHL's in Raleigh. Oh, it's in Raleigh. Yeah, okay. they play at PNC Arena in Raleigh. Gotcha. Carolina Hurricanes. Hurricanes are in Raleigh. But, I, I mean, I could see MLB in, in the Charlotte area, but I, I think Nashville is that I, – I, out of any other place that I could think of that doesn't have one, Nashville seems kind of like that ideal spot because baseball is a big deal in, in the uh, southeastern part of the U.S. I mean, obviously it's not as big as college football, but, I mean, baseball is a big deal. And, and I think a, I think a franchise in Nashville would do really good. What about you, Cam? Salt Lake City do anything for you? Uh, what what would be on the top of your list in terms of uh, two expansion cities? Salt Lake City doesn't do anything for me, but uh, Nashville, I agree with I agree with you, Tom. And then if if Vegas were to ever do something, you know, we uh, yeah, talked, Vegas. we talked about Vegas earlier today, Ryan, and that would definitely be something that I think a lot of people could could get behind for sure. If you're going to put an MLB team out towards the west then Vegas is I where it Vegas, needs Vegas yeah. is where it needs to be, not Salt it's Lake not City. Salt Lake Utah. City. <laughs> I mean, I get it like, you know, you want to bring more to Utah, I guess if that's what you're trying to do and trying to expand for every 
state, but I just don't see uh, that being very successful. Salt Lake City is just—it's not one of those destination no. towns. Like, uh, hey, where do you want to go vacation? Salt Lake City, Utah. No, who says that? I'm trying unless to go you're skiing, Mor- man. Unless you're Mormon, you know. <laughs> if to go you're, snowboarding. You're, you know, you go out there and do that. But it, and maybe there's some stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, it, Salt Lake City is just not one of those destination places that you think of when you're like, oh, let's go here. Las Vegas absolutely is. Oh, Nashville yeah. absolutely is. Hundred percent. Well, okay, I, I agree with that. But is that? relevant in bringing a franchise somewhere. I think it is. Because it's more about how much a city will support a team right. as opposed to how many visitors would be oh, yeah. attracted like, to go there. And like you know that you know that they will support a team. They do support the Jazz very well. I don't I just don't know if that has more to do with the history that the Jazz have or right. you know all of that. I just am not sure because I'm just not sure if a new team would take. I just don't know. Yeah, I, I, and you just never hear much about them wanting a team. I know a decent amount about the some of the minor league teams in this part of the country because there are a lot of them. We've we've all seen a few of them at times. Heck, uh, Tom went to the Montgomery Biscuits game last night, but I'm not as familiar with how supported those minor league teams are in Utah because that feels like maybe a prereq in some form right. or fashion, like. Like, is their AAA team always buzzing? Like, I, with the Nashville Sounds, like, I mm-hmm. know all about the Sounds. And, again, that's not the end-all, be-all. But, you know, it, a city doesn't have to be a big tourist spot just because of the standpoint. There's plenty of cities. Like, you know, I, I don't really know if uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin is yeah, going to, right, to right. appetize people. Mm-hmm. But it's a historic franchise. Obviously, right. there's... It's it's a different case for that sort of thing, but there's plenty of big cities that I'm not necessarily like lining up to go to. Um, But I think there would be maybe some concern of fan interest there, and I don't know that uh, you know you do have a team in Colorado, which would be kind of similar air mass, similar dynamic in terms of that's a a pretty similar part of the world. You have a team representing that to a degree. Is the pure amount of people there in yeah. Utah to support that? Yeah, but, you know, Den- when you're looking at Denver, though, Denver and that whole metropolitan area around Denver is a lot bigger than oh, yeah, Salt sure. Lake City. And so there's a lot more people there to support the Rockies right. and, and to support the Broncos and support the Nuggets or whoever yeah. else. I got. The old Nuggies. Um, I know a Denver fan. I, you know, when, when you look at Salt Lake City, if you, if you look at some of these, it's like there's a reason that the teams aren't there. Right. It's it's not just because they don't want to. It's because they realize that that it's going to be awful difficult to try to. Uh, another prime example. I think it would be very difficult for a major league franchise to survive in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Because they yeah. they they struggle as it is to support the Jaguars. Uh, I bet you they'll gain some support though. Now that the Jags are kind of decent, they, they had support when they were good in twenty seventeen. Sure. But but you know Jacksonville, Florida, it's it's one of those, and it, and it's a franchise that you know has not really had a whole lot of success. And I mean, and, but then also Jacksonville, Florida, just itself. I mean, it's yeah, it's a bigger town. Ta- it's a bigger town, but I mean, oh, it's it, a huge city. You know, yeah. yeah, but I yeah. mean, it, 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 it's not Miami. It's not Orlando. It's not even the Tampa area. I mean, it's it's a big city, but it's not ginormous. Right. So I, I, I couldn't see a major league team surviving or, or doing very well 
uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. Right. I, yeah. Just like I couldn't see him surviving and doing well in Salt Lake City, Utah. That's now, fair. you put him in Las Vegas, yes. You put them in Nashville, yes. You even put them in Charlotte, I think, yes. Mm. Um, you, I, just, I just do the Rays have a good fan base i don't i don't know so because mm, I, I, I know they are an affiliate for the for the biscuits well, do, do they have a good following uh I've, mm, no not because really. they're not bad they've they're, been they're, pretty they're not they're the not bad years yeah, they're not bad one of the things that hurts the rays though is the fact that that stadium is just outdated right? it's pitiful okay so, it, it, so then that's just where yeah that's the, the facilities the facilities are there for the rays are, are pitiful okay. it's in that that old dome that like, you know they were hitting the ceiling right 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 um, but now the, the rays even you know being good they were one of those that would kind of be the butt of jokes where they would take pictures of the stadium uh in the middle of a game and you could almost right. count the individual people sitting around in the stands yeah and so, like even with the marlins the marlins you know they're not they're not good so they don't right. have a lot of they the people aren't going to pay to go to those games consistently right. so that's kind of something where you think about well if you bring in a team and you build a team and they become good how how much of a following will they gain then Right, you know, because everybody will support a good team. Wow, what a catch! Uh, everybody will support a good team. I feel like. I mean, even in Atlanta, you have issues. I mean, the Braves have been good for a few years now, so they have that consistent where they fill the stands. Sure, but I mean, I'm sure you know there were some times where the Braves were bad, where nobody wanted to go to Braves games, right? Uh, they still, I mean, they didn't pack. They didn't pack Fulton County Stadium like in those kind of right. like mid '80s, mid to late '80s. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, it wasn't packed and it wasn't just frenzy like like you get now with the tomahawk chop and all right, that right, type right. of stuff. Um, but I mean, there was still a lot of support. Okay, for That's for fair. the Braves. I mean, because yeah, I mean, it is a it has been around for a long it's, time, so it's, you, you it's have, a storied franchise. Yeah. So I mean, you could, you have a, there's a lot of people that will talk about you know lifelong Braves fans. That's fair. That's fair. I'll, okay, I I, it, I do understand that, yeah. and the Braves have been around for a long time. I guess I'm just trying to think in perspective of like a bad team just isn't going to get support. It just sure. kind of is in certain areas. Is. Sure, right. I mean, you know, and and with Florida cities and Florida teams, especially. I mean, that's the real one because. Um, you know, when you think about everyone from, and if you talk basketball with the Miami Heat, you talk you talk football, f- football, 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 football <laughs> with uh, the Bucks or the Jaguars or the Dolphins. Like, whenever those teams are really good, there is going to be a lot of people there. Absolutely, but I promise you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna witness this: the Bucks are gonna go from one of the top three or four most attended teams last year to one of the bottom three to four to five this right, year right. and that is the fair weather nature of a lot of florida cities yeah. jacksonville is fourth on that list there what's funny is their metro area is actually the biggest in florida they're or excuse me not metro area their actual city of the municipality right. is bigger than any other uh miami tampa sure. anyway but then you grow the metro area and it's way below miami and then it's a decent amount below tampa and right behind right. orlando um so i agree with you i don't think that jacksonville would necessarily take to a baseball team because as you guys were talking about the rays and about the marlins those two teams have even a a, a more egregious difference between their fan support that even when they're good, they're not necessarily drawing. Right. Marlins, and that's ownership issues due to gutting the team anytime they were good. Right. And then with Tampa, 
it's really hard to tell because people in short order will go worst venues in Major League Baseball. Number one, Oakland Coliseum. Number two, Tropicana Field. Yeah. And those are the two clear losers in the in the best facility debate or best venue debate. And so I don't know how Tampa would feel about the Rays. I've spent time in that city. I can tell you that there are bucks and lightning things all over the place. Right. right. But the fact that the Rays are over in St. Pete, that's 30-minute drive from sure. where Amelie Arena or Raymond James Stadium is. And so – that is kind of talking to, in a sense, a different portion of the populace right. down there. If you put it, and again, I'm going, I'm <laughs> dipping into my knowledge of the area, maybe too much here. If you put it in Ebor City or something on the other side of the bay, very near actual Tampa, Tampa, then you might be having a different conversation. And by the way, the venue would actually be a good venue. Put I've seen some renderings. I've seen some renderings that are going to do what kind of the Braves and what something has been more popular in recent years where restaurants, hotels right around the state for sure make it more of experience. So when, if that were to happen, would the dynamic change? I am not sure. I would like to be optimistic and say, yes, it is, it is salvageable. I don't think Miami right now, the way they act is salvageable. Yeah. And Oakland is, is tough to say too, because that is the worst drawing team. I mean, you can yeah. count them. I think you're talking about that with Tampa too. You can count them on most nights, uh, and it is just so hard to quantify how that team, which was a very good brand at one point in Major League Baseball, has fallen so far. Because I've definitely heard this, and we again part of our conversations before the show is that I think I absolutely think a team will end in Las Vegas. The question yeah. is. Is it one of the two new franchises? Because they're not going to stop at 31. It's going to be around 32. Is it going to be one of the new franchises, or is it going to be Oakland moving to Las Vegas? Yeah, just like the Raiders. Right, exactly. And, and that is on the radar. I'm with you guys. I'm not trying to cap this conversation, but no, we will. No, no. But I, I, to go back to it, I'm with you that Salt Lake City does not strike me at the top of the list. You've got Las Vegas and Nashville. But I'm saying that if you, you might have a third because you might have Oakland move. And sure. so if you need three new cities, can you guys think of a third city? And I'm not trying to – I'm not – again, I'm not trying to go either way. I'm. This right. is a group think here hmm. because Vegas and Nashville seem pretty common for people. Yeah. It's, it's a shame that Oakland would be a good spot, but they're just – they refuse to build a new stadium. Right. Yeah. And – and that yeah. the Oakland Coliseum, for as, as iconic as it is, it's time to be torn down. We were talking about that uh, before the show, uh, Ryan, Brant, and I, uh, and, and Andrew, just how their lack of putting money into their sports has right. cost them all of their sports. Yeah. Um, I, so the, the one that just kind of jumps out at me, um, I, I could see Indianapolis being a spot because, I mean, they, 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 they support – they support their football team. They support their basketball team, uh, but they don't have MLB there. And uh, and and from my understanding, the the AAA team there does really really well, right? And so I could see Indianapolis being if you had to go to the third. I would definitely do Vegas and Nashville over Indianapolis. But if it's a deal like Oakland moves, and you're looking that, I think that Indianapolis could potentially be that next one. Hmm. Any ideas? That's, a, that's an interesting one. So if you're just thinking for a third city, then yeah, Salt Lake City, I could, I could, you know, I could, I could rock with that. 
Um, San Antonio. San Antonio. Some, the, yeah. I mean, Texas always has a bunch of stuff already, right. but you know, the, why, why not add something else? <laughs> um, so that, that could definitely be interesting. Texas would be a good one. Um, yeah, no, th- those could be the two. And then Indianapolis, that's a good one, Tom. That's a that's a good one to add in, in there. And, you know, I'll lobby for an Alabama team as well, you know, just, just for why the sake. Just why not? <laughs> for the sake of it. Just let's, let's you know, let's say Birmingham, you know. Uh, well, and, and, again, I tell you people, you know, all the time that how things change is relevant, too. And that's why different cities get considered – further along and how a city like Oakland is now falling out of favor with all these major league teams because again date you back 50 60 years ago the Milwaukee Braves were deciding whether to move to Birmingham or to Atlanta that was a real decision they had and they chose Atlanta because of the growing airport there Yep. And now look at Atlanta. Atlanta, you wouldn't even put Birmingham near the conversation of city right. Atlanta's in. But 50 years ago, it was pretty even. It was a little harder to tell. And so that Atlanta exploded. It's now got everything way, way bigger. But so now you look at other cities. Okay, 50, 60 years ago, I mean, I, I know Nashville music's always been a thing, but I think we all can agree the momentum around Nashville has never been greater than it is now. Las Vegas has always been a great uh, gambling and great uh, don't tell the wife and kids spot, (laughs) but it's now becoming somewhere where it's actually got enough people to actually support something constantly. The Vegas Golden Knights have been supported the second they dropped a puck there. And and now the Raiders are not leading the world in attendance there, but also the team's not been very good. There's no proof they wouldn't support the yeah. team once they were good it's doing fine enough way better than like the chargers moving to la and so the dynamic of cities change people still move okay it was not a stagnant country that we live in cities grow and decline and so the the challenge is if you do need that third city are you trying to find someone based based or find a city based on population or interest in that sport, even if it's much smaller. Here's a really small city, but it would be cool. I don't know what the support is. There's a AAA team there, Louisville, because of the relationship historical, to baseball yeah, the in Louisville. Now, now, that could be interesting. Granted, I don't think it's big enough to right. pro- support yeah. a, fran- a, a, a professional team, but it would be cool. It would be, would be you cool. would make an easy connection with the bat company in Louisville. Now, Indianapolis is not far from Louisville, so that can be the right. the uh, kind of uh, compromise yeah. there. The, the, but the only the only issue that you get with uh, trying to do something like that in Louisville is you've got the Cincinnati Reds right there. Right. I mean, Louisville is pretty close to Cincinnati. It is. Indy's not too far either. I was at Louisville Cincinnati a couple hours, Maybe. an hour, two. Well, so I want to read that. So, um, Minor league uh, attendance for for last year, um, the best attendance averages. The Nashville Sounds are number four uh, in the country in attendance. The Indianapolis Indians are number five in attendance average. So out of all the minor league teams in the entire country, Nashville is four, Indianapolis is five, the Las Vegas Aviators are ninth. They're top ten. Is Durham in the top five? No. No. Uh, Bulls? Everyone knows the Durham Bulls. No, they're not. Um, Sad. 
so the the best are the Dayton Dragons out of Dayton, Ohio, but they're just that's just a high class A team. Fascinating. Obviously, and they've already got two professional teams. In seven Ohio. set. They average seven thousand nine hundred and thirty five fans for a, a high class A ball team in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, number two are the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, yeah. which is a AAA team up in uh, Pennsylvania, yeah. uh, 7,665. Now, here's one that could be interesting when you talk about small town, small market. Could you do it? Because they do have one professional franchise in that town, the Columbus Clippers. Columbus, Ohio. Third team in Ohio. I thought about Columbus, but then I thought three teams in Ohio might be a bit much. Well, and, and I think they're top and I five. Think, I think they are. They are the third. They they draw okay. the third most fans of any minor league baseball team at seven thousand six hundred thirty-four for a Triple A team. You know what's sad about that? But again, uh, Ohio that though, might be higher than Oakland's attendance. <laughs> it might be. It might it really be. Might be. It's probably higher than the Marlins. Yeah. Um, That's the, awful. The, man. the thing though, I I agree. Columbus, I don't think would be good for that because you've already got two, and I mean that's a mm. small state. And you just flood that market like that. I don't. I think you're going to end up having trouble there. Um, and, and then plus, it's just not a big city. They they've got what the the uh, MLS team there. Yes, Columbus Crew. Yes. Columbus yep. Crew. And that's the only thing. That's the only right major perfor- uh, professional sports franchise. So out of those, but then you go to Nashville at four, Indianapolis at five, uh, Worcester Red Sox are six. Obviously, you're not going to do that to try to compete with the Boston. Right. Charlotte Knights at seven, okay. uh, Albuquerque Isotopes at eight. Las yes, Vegas. New Mexico. Yeah. Here we come. <laughs> uh, Las Vegas Aviators at nine. And here's an interesting one that I could maybe see, but the weather would be weird, is uh, the Buffalo Bisons. Buffalo. Buffalo okay. Bison's triple well, A team. Well, is that not where they – uh, who played there? Did someone play there? Some Buffalo of their games? Did Bison. Toronto play there? Uh, I couldn't tell you. When, when Toronto I, I couldn't play in Canada I because of COVID, I think they played in Buffalo. All huh. right, there's some good – We there you go. There's some good options for you. Unfortunately, we are out of time Ducks. here with hour number two. In hour number three, we still got to reveal Sports Club's Player of the Week. I kind of got lost right there, and we went down that road. So we'll <laughs> get to Player of the Week and much more coming up in hour number three. A shortened hour number three, getting off air about 5 at 30 or so as you listen to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call right here in Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620, WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Last hour of Sports Call Company right now here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Barry. Of course, not a full hour, a little less than a half hour remaining uh, in the show today. Auburn softball coming up against Troy right here, 545 airtime. Britt Bowen and J.J. Jackson 
on the call of that one. Still got a real sports calls player of the week here in just a couple minutes. But first, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally, toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing? Well, thank you for asking. Uh, but should you really do that? That's dangerous, you know. <laughs> Uh, good afternoon, guys. Cam and Tom, is that right? And Ron? Uh, that's it. Yes, yes sir. sir. Okay. Um, quick question. Do you have any available pitchers from the Thunder Chickens uh, team? <laughs> I, I don't think you want those pitchers yeah, either, you Steve. You want we were giving well, up. Well, what, well, I mean, what, what's, what's the worst that could happen? We walk people? I don't know. Ask JJ. <laughs> <laughs> JJ did walk some people, too. Even hey, guys, you know, um, is there any way that uh, Bush Thompson can uh, cancel midweek games so we don't, you know, uh, hmm. exhaust and expend our valuable starters like Mr. Cannon? Yeah, I mean, obviously that was a good opportunity to try and pick up a nice win. I mean, that was a little different situation than the UAB game the week before. UAB being a bad team, not going to help you, but uh, Georgia Tech would have been a, a nice little win to get on the road there and uh, so those type of midweek games, they, they're more taxing because you, you have to expend a little more energy to try and win them, but uh, it would have been a, a nice resume win. Well, I'm just saying, you know, don't we need him more for, you know, uh, the upcoming games like, you know, on the road like against Alabama? Well, I, he'll be available. He, he'll, yeah, be he'll be available. available. I mean, they, you know, they don't play till Friday, and, you know, I don't know if he'd go multiple times in that series, but he'll, he'll absolutely be available to throw at least once. Well, available means what? I mean, two innings, three innings? Because all I was uh, reading is that, you know, pitchers, you know, once they play the midweek game, you know, are not going to be at 100% uh, in two days. Am I wrong in reading that? I mean, it's not like he threw a million pitches. Though. He threw an, an inning plus, and I think th- 35 or 40 pitches, something like that. So, uh, no, I mean, he again, I, I don't know how many innings he'll throw, but he'll absolutely – I mean, there's not – going to be some big restriction on him for the weekend no he'll be he'll be good to go okay and you know it's, it's i mean i'm being a dead horse debtor than i need to but you know armstrong comes in i thought okay you know um bases loaded uh we can get out at home and then a grand slam i think it was oh, two outs i think it was a um a two strikes he had on didn't he uh, i thought it was the first pitch of the bat i wasn't watching i, I was Falling up uh, yeah, with Kevin was, Ives on Twitter, but yeah, that was the first pitch of the at bat. Two oh, outs. The first pitch. Yeah, um, and he just uh, will just hung a slider, and uh, the the batter caught it, perfect spot, and just sent it out right center. Um, again, you know, I'm reading, you know, Coach Thompson's comments, and I'm gonna ask you guys again, you know, as savvy as a coach, he obviously must be. You know, where was plan B and C in, you know, the the, the backup in the bullpen uh, if, you know, star player, you know, get hurt? And I've read that, you know, other SEC uh, teams are battling the same kind of issues. Ole Miss starter, I think, uh, is, is not playing. He's injured. Uh, somebody else is. But, you know, guys, is, is there any, you know, I guess accountability on uh, the coaching staff, specifically Coach Thompson, for not having – um, really quality backups. Well, I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure that 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 Butch Thompson does uh, hold himself accountable, uh, and uh, I, we understand that this is a, uh, a a horrible pitching team. But 
that doesn't undo all all the positive things that he's done. And he's had they're you know they're having a, a bad year on the mound. But again, that that happens in sports sometimes. I mean, we're a couple years removed from Bruce Pearl having a, a team that wasn't going to go to any postseason whatsoever, and his worst year since his second or third year on the plans, and then they turned it around and they. We're number one in the country the next year. So, I mean, that happens even to good coaches where you have a mixture of guys that, that just don't work out the way you thought they would or they're behind in their development. That's not a problem unique to just one sport or, or, or one team there. And and obviously those guys have, have just not been the best versions of themselves and what they could have been. Yeah, yeah, you know, I know it happens. I'm just tired of it happening to us so often. And I just like for it to happen to other teams. You know, rather than in my team, you know. I know we lost some good people last year. I Maybe I was just, you know, overly optimistic that uh, we'd be as good. Um, I, I guess I was overly optimistic on, on that end. Because um, if this continues, guys, uh, well, are we going to even possibly even make the SEC tournament? Yeah, they're, they're still in pretty good position to, uh, to make the SEC tournament for now. I, I mean, I do want to say, Steve, that – that it does absolutely happen to other teams. It's just that this is the the program that, that you fall all the time. I, pr- I promise that Ole Miss starting the, yeah. in the league with like two conference wins in the first 12 games is not how Ole Miss was supposed to be this year. Ole Miss was supposed to be a top 10 team in the country. Yeah. Mississippi and, and, State's and Mississippi down. State's uh, in the same boat. So it doesn't just happen to Auburn. It's just Auburn's the one that you closely follow. But yeah, I mean, with the SEC tournament, Auburn's still in fine position right now. It's a little uncomfortable. They are 4-8. and eight. Uh, but they've still got Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Alabama, all teams that are at or below them. So on one hand, it's the opp- opportunity for those other teams to pull themselves up. But on the other hand, it's 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 weaker competition than what Auburn has been playing and opportunities for Auburn to play a little bit better too. So uh, that will be determined here over the next two, three, four series. But for now, Auburn's still, I think, 11th in the league. So again, a little uncomfy, but they do have two games uh, in the bag for right now. Okay. Okay. Uh- uh, this, this is just a bad, uh, bad timing, uh, bad luck. Is, is that what it basically is? A little bit of both. Um, you know, the bad luck with the injuries is, is, I mean, that's just bad luck. Sometimes that happens. And then you've had some guys that had some, you know, pretty strong arms last year and have had some good appearances this year, but, you know, consistency issues are not there. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's – some bad pitching. I mean, some of it is just pure bad pitching, and I don't know why that is. And then bad hitting. We had in the first inning, because I watched it, we had bases loaded. Right. And we manufactured one lousy one. Yeah. yeah I, the, 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 the hitting, though, is definitely not the problem. Uh, I mean, there, there's going to be time. Bases loaded. Yeah. You should never – you should never go out with just one run. Oh, plenty, there's that, plenty of times that, that teams don't even lot. score. Yeah. I know Steve, it come on, man. God, good Lord, guys. I've seen it happen so many times at Auburn. You know, uh, I've quit counting. Uh, well, these are still uh, college baseball players, Steve. Well, well, I mean, well, I mean, even the pros do that. I, know, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're, baseball, it's hard to hit a ball. <laughs> I mean, Auburn's been averaging over seven runs a game this year. That That's not the problem. Okay. Steve, yeah, you're there with us. There you go. All right. Well, I'm too grumbly. Uh, thank you for giving me that time. My time is up. I always thank you for the time you give me to whine and complain. Uh, so hopefully I'll have less whine and complaining, uh, especially against Alabama. But uh, we'll see. Now, it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. And the softball team 
starts tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? No, they have Friday, Saturday, Sunday against LSU, but they do play tonight against Troy right after our show. Troy. Okay, that really should not be a difficult game, should it? Uh, should not be. Uh, Auburn should win it. Okay. All right, guys. Again, thank you for your time. I know my time is way, way up. Appreciate your uh, efforts in trying to uh, have me become more reasonable and rational. Um, but, you know, when, when it comes to all the sports, I'm unable to do that. So with that, you guys have a safe afternoon, and uh, we'll somehow I'll be calmer and more rational tomorrow. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate the phone call. That is a retired word AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the the one run with the bases loaded, I have seen, again, plenty of times where I've not gotten any runs when he needed to. Yeah. And, and ultimately, it was the offense that, uh, you know, they were down 7-2, ultimately got uh, really dug themselves back in the ball game last night. And again, eight runs and nine innings is uh, not something where I, I, I blame the offense on, even in the college game when there is a little bit more Offense. All right, uh, let's. We've, we're starting to wind down the program. Before we take our final break of the show, let's get to this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. Masters champion John Rahm is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The Spanish golfer won his second major this past weekend at Augusta National, shooting an impressive 12-under at one of the most difficult courses in the world. Rahm fought through a poor start, bad weather conditions, and starting the final round down by two shots to take the lead on the final day and extend his lead to four before hitting a par putt on the 18th hole to secure his first green jacket. John Rahm is Sports Call's Player of the Week. John Rahm is this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. Force for winning the Masters Tournament, second major championship for Rom. Part of those six or seven golfers that are uh, trying to vie for top golfer right now in the world. It kind of cycles. You got McElroy in there, Justin Thomas, uh, Xander Shoffley at times. Uh, now Rom. Yeah, you've had Spieth in the past too. Uh, there's just a, a guy of a group of five, six guys that have won a couple majors. Obviously, Kepka was there at one point, who who ended up. Uh, losing the lead and, and finishing tied for second, uh, but but Rom again uh, impressive performance uh, from the standpoint that everyone just kind of assumed Kepka what would end up with it after the way he started the first two rounds, and and Rom was still kind of hanging in there wasn't that thrilled with his game but conditions on Saturday were awful that caused Tiger uh, to withdraw I mean Tiger was looking eighty seven years old by by the end of. Uh, no. End of if the end of Saturday, so he withdrew, and then they came out Sunday, played more than eighteen holes, impressed to get it all in, not have to use the Monday finish. But uh, Tom, I know that you uh, follow a good bit of golf, and and again, Rom winning the the biggest tournament out there, yeah. and and again solidifies himself. He's right there with anyone in the world of golf sure. right now. Um, yeah, and I mean deserving a player of the week. Anytime you win the Masters, you're deserving a player of the week. Uh, yeah, I mean he just. Uh, Rom was just kind of that steady, consistent thing all through all of those rounds, and that's where Kepka fell off. Kepka was scorching hot to start out, and then all of a sudden his putter started failing him, and then other parts of the game started failing him, and he just completely fell off. But Rom just kind of stayed the course and stayed the course and stayed the course all through all those rounds, and that's how you win at the Masters because that's a uh, – that is a course that is extremely, extremely unforgiving. And if your game is off by just a little bit, then it will eat your lunch. And that's what happened with Kepka. Uh, Rom just was—he was steady. Uh, I mean, just as steady as could be. 
It never seemed like he got flustered with anything. Uh, you know, even on the 18th green, he hit a, uh, a on Sunday 18th. His drive didn't even make it to the fairway. Like he like screwed a tee shot up, didn't even get to the fairway, and had to lay up and play a par four like he's playing a par five. Now you can do that when uh, you you can do that when you have that lead. But even something like that, he never panicked. He just did what he needed to do, and then he did not compound mistake. No, yeah, exactly. And 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 again, like I said, at at Augusta National, that course can still your it can rip your heart out. Because of the pressure of the moment, but also because the course is so unforgiving that mistakes can pile up on you very, very quickly. And and it's happened to numerous players right. that have blown it right there at the very end. But he just stayed consistent. Even if there was a bad shot, he figured it out. And, and like you said, didn't compound the problem. So, yeah, good on him. And congratulations on the Masters win. Yeah, still love Augusta National. Still love that tournament each and every year. And and you're right. I mean, people will get really bent out of shape really quickly there. It's basically, hey, birdie all the par fives, try and hang on everywhere else is uh, is usually how you got to do it. But John Rahm this week, Sports Call Player of the Week for winning the Masters Tournament this past week in his second major championship. One final timeout with Sports Call today. Back to wrap it up with a nightly TV guide right after this. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Thanks for making us a part of your Wednesday afternoon, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here. If you missed anything today, the Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. All right, just a couple minutes left in the show today. Of course, Auburn softball coming up against Troy here in just a little bit. So time for a Sports Call Nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Uh, starting off with the LBGA Tour, the Lot Championship, 6 o'clock on Golf Channel. 6 o'clock SEC Network College Softball, or SEC Network Plus, rather, College Softball Troy and number 24 Auburn. 620 Bally Sports Southeast, the Atlanta Braves and the Cincinnati Reds. 630 on the NHL, or excuse me, the NHL on TNT. It's the Dallas Stars and the St. Louis Blues. Again, waning days of the NHL regular season. One movie pick, 6 o'clock on AMC is Ghostbusters again. Brooks did not put on the NBA on our TV guy, so I will do that for Man, him. This guy. <laughs> 6 o'clock, so coming up in just about 30 minutes, the Chicago Bulls visit the Toronto Raptors on the 9-10 play-in game. Loser is out. Winner goes to South Beach, not for vacation. 
play the Miami Heat on Friday for the last playoff spot. And then 8.30 on ESPN, the Oklahoma City Thunder travel to Smoothie King Center to take on the New Orleans Pelicans. Again, same dynamic there. The loser uh, is 1-2-3 Cancun, and the winner is on to face the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are not in any turmoil whatsoever. There's nothing to see here. Uh, so that is a look at the Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Fun show, Tom. Thank you for being here Absolutely. throughout this week. We'll see you next week. I'll be here. Cam, thank you for being here. Hope you enjoy your long weekend, sir. We'll see you again next week. I will. Hopefully I'll be more tan. <laughs> He's going to the beach, folks. That's where he is going. Uh, that will do it for the program today. Again, stay tuned. Auburn softball coming up against Troy Britbow and J.J. Jackson on the call at 545 airtime. Also direct you over to FM Talk 93.9 at 6 o'clock. Final Tiger Talk of the season on FM Talk 93.9 in half an hour. And appreciate all those that called in and tuned in today. For Tom Peavy and Cam Berry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.